Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 110. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Daniel Camarillo. Daniel is a third-degree black belt in judo and a fourth-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. Daniel is the owner and head instructor at Camarillo Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu located in Bakersfield, California. He shared about his early experiences competing judo. He started competing at the age six and how he talks with parents about getting their kids involved with competitions. He shared the early days of training jiu-jitsu in the 90s in California, his journey until opening his school, and the dedication necessary to continue with your jiu-jitsu journey, which inspired me to title this episode, Staying Dedicated. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Daniel Camarillo. Daniel is a third-degree black belt in judo, fourth-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. Daniel is the owner and head instructor at Camarillo Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, located in Bakersfield, California. He competed for the first time at age six in judo, which started a solid career in which he competed all over the world. And Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, so yeah, I know you started judo very young. So what are your early memories from, uh, from judo? Uh, you know, the very first tournament, Probably. Um, I don't remember being on the mat a little bit before that, except for maybe getting in, in trouble all the time. Hmm. Um, they used to punish us by making us do a bunch of duck walks around the mat. <laughs> I got, I got real good at those, <laughs> <laughs> but the first tournament, man, I got, uh, yeah, I got beat pretty bad. You know, yeah. I, I lost a lot until maybe junior high years. Okay. And you train, your brother is older than you or younger? He's younger. Okay. He just he just looks older. Yeah. <laughs> how old how old uh um how much older are you? Four four years apart. Yeah. Oh, four years. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. My brother and I the same the same thing. Oh, and awesome. so how for you how was for you competing? Was it fun? Is that something that you were like you'd get nervous competing when you're a kid or how was it? Uh, you know, early years uh, because I lost a lot. It wasn't as much fun until I started getting good, you know, and, uh, but it, it's funny because a lot of people say, well, everyone gets nervous all the time. There's no, that's never going to go away. And, and honestly, that's not true. I competed so much. And my brother can tell you the same thing. We competed so much 
in judo, uh, at a certain point, the, all the nervousness went away. It's just you go out there and do your thing. It's, it's like it was at, at the time, no, no big deal. And same thing when I started jujitsu. So all the way up until, let me see, my, my last competition before black was in purple belt. I never got nervous from, from white, blue, purple. Never got nervous in any of my jujitsu competitions. It wasn't until I got my black, I took a nine-year leave from competing. And then uh, my first competition back was the U.S. Open. Yeah. So, yeah, I was real nervous. <laughs> right. Hmm. And when you're, when you're training judo, so now, when did you start taking more seriously with the judo? The set, you know, okay, start getting a little older and start to really commit more. Is there a, a, a period that you felt like you start to get more serious about it? Uh, that, that's part of, you know, part of my regret was not taking it serious. Uh, mm-hmm. I was always pushed by my father, you know. Um, once, once I started judo, he pretty much... Uh, didn't let me quit. We bumped heads when I got a little older, you know, uh, I felt like at the time uh, I was doing it for him instead of myself. Got it. And so I kind of rebelled a little bit. And, and uh, now that I'm older, I, I regret that. I regret that because I, I don't think I reached my full potential in judo. So uh, it's, yeah, man, there's nothing I can do about it now. <laughs> yeah. you know? And how was the connection for you to start training jujitsu? So we, my brother and I moved to uh, Fresno, uh, Clovis, and, um, you know, my parents set us up. We were part of the Fresno State Judo team and set us up with a home. They, they bought us a home. We, we, were, we were doing really well, you know, and um, my brother got injured. He hurt his knee, and since judo is a lot of standing, he couldn't really do that. So it was his determination to look for a Gracie Academy. And at the time, it was hard to find. There was somebody, uh, I'm not going to name his name. I still remember his name, man. Uh, in Fresno, at the time, was claiming to be a jiu-jitsu black belt. And we found out later, like only, only a week later, he was completely lying. Um, he had a picture of him and Hoyce, him and his black belt. We found out that was a seminar, and he's a karate black belt. <laughs> yeah. But David, my brother, finally found Half Gracie, which was two hours away. And ever since we found Half and Caesar Gracie, we were driving every weekend. Um, uh, I did it for two years. Dave did it for a year and moved. I stayed another year and then finally uh, moved to the Bay Area to uh, pursue. So right away, did it start impacting your game in judo com- competing? Uh, y- yes, right away. Yeah. So again, going back to my problems that I had rebelling, you know, with the judo, my dad just always come on you got to do it you got to do it and i just i just felt like it was for him um it pu- mentally i told myself i'm doing this for me so when i went into jujitsu man i i trained uh finally when i got down there i trained for that 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 year after i moved and then you know the joe Moreira nationals at the time was the biggest tournament and then and then the u.s open was the second biggest tournament at the time we didn't have pans here we didn't have worlds yeah. here but those were so big. There were two days, you know, you'd fight people from Brazil all the time. And, um, yeah, I did, I did very well once I moved down there. So. And you had a chance, I saw on your website too, and you had a chance to go to Japan to train and, and compete also, right? Uh, so the first time in Japan, my dad, you know, uh, it was during our like summer vacation. 
uh, right before, uh, I believe it was right before high school. And we went over there, we were there for two months. And I think the first full month we were traveling every weekend competing. So, um, you know, he would set up, uh, they were team tournaments. So our team would fight the Japanese team at the time that we were staying at. And, and uh, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty fun, but we were competing all the time. Yeah, and what is uh, something that got your attention spending that time there that was maybe different for you in judo? Well, you know, the first, the first time I went there, it wasn't uh, that big of a difference. Um, uh, I, I did get beat a few times, but it wasn't to the extreme as the second time I went there. The second time I went there, I went to a college, a university. And that's when I got... I got tore up. I got tore up pretty bad. It, the, the, the shortest guy, there was about 30 black belts on the mat. You know, they're all black belts. There's no other belts. And um, the shortest guy was my, I think he was my weight, my size. And uh, uh, he would throw me, I'd throw him twice, two times out of 10. And he, you know what I mean? He was that mm -hmm. good. And they were all bigger. And then everyone just, you get wiped out every day. So, man. And when did you decide to pursue as far as jujitsu, having your own business and open up a school? When did ideas start coming to your mind? So when the market crashed in the Bay Area, I had to leave Half Gracie's. And, uh, you know, my old high school buddy here in Bakersfield, this is where we grew up and I needed a job. And uh, it kind of made me move down here because, you know, I like, I like to work and provide for myself. You know what I'm saying? I have, I have to push myself to do that stuff. And um, so here I am in this town and I, I decided, okay, I'm, I want to continue to keep my jujitsu skills up. So I went, uh, I had a buddy of mine take me from uh, jujitsu academy to jujitsu academy. There's like three or four in town, right? There was nobody. What belt really were you back then? I was, I was half Gracie purple at the time. Okay. And, uh, there was, there's only one in my opinion that had a good foundation, a uh, jujitsu Academy here in town. And, uh, that was Matt Baker. I don't know if you've heard his name. Yeah. 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 I interviewed him too on a podcast. Yeah. 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 So, uh, he was one of the first places I went to. And I was honestly, oh, awesome. I finally found a place I can train at, keep my jujitsu skills up, you know, uh, and that's all I want to do is train. I didn't want to teach. Uh, but on the last day of going, this was the last place I was going to try out. It was another place. And, and right when I'm walking out the door, there's only five people on the mat at the time. And I trained with them. I start walking out the door. The owner asked me, hey, would you like to teach for us? And I, saw, I sat there and I thought, I'll teach you know, why not make money while I can train, right? And, but I told him since, you know, Matt Baker's down the street, he had, he had a gi class and I didn't want to step on his toes. I didn't even know who he was, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know who he is, but still the respect is there. He, he established his jujitsu academy first here in town. Uh, I'll teach no gi. And the owner at the time says, well, that's fine. We're an MMA school, so no gi is good. So I taught seven years at that school, no gi. Wow. Then I got another offer and it was much better because the pay, you know? Um, so he opened his school downtown. It was far enough away from Matt. It, it was 15 minutes away. And um, that's when I turned back teaching Gi. I taught there for four years, but uh, you know, I found out that 
sometimes your partner's not <laughs> helping or telling the truth or you get kind of, you bump heads a little bit. Yep. Um, he was telling people you should take my class, not his class. And it's mm-hmm. t- you know, it wasn't good. So I decided to try and open my own school. And this and, was around what year? Uh, six years ago, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I opened my own school so I can, you know, I can run it my way. Yeah. I've been, I've been through, I don't know how many judo academies, jujitsu academies. And, and I just know that there's a certain way that in my opinion, it should be ran. And that's how I run my school now. So. Okay. And were you able before that to just make a living with teaching or you're doing another job too? Any other job? No, I, I, um, just teaching alone in this town, I, it's kind of difficult just to make a living. Yeah. Just that. Unless maybe my, my wife was working, but she's not. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a day job. I work for an oil company. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. And now how was, uh, looking back when you started the school, what are some of the major changes that you have made from when you opened the school to now? Uh, well, you know, I, more respectful, professional, um, and we treat everybody like part of the family, you know? So before I was, I was younger, a little, little different mindset and, uh, just went in there, taught, went home. And, uh, now I, I just see it as a, as a, another family, you know what I'm saying? It's my second home. So that's the way I treat it. You know, uh, we have set rules and, and, uh, you know, you don't follow the rules. You can't be there. And everyone, everyone loves it. They walk in there and they, that's the first thing they say is they, they feel like uh, they're very welcome there. So, Yeah, so let's get back to what you mentioned. I was going to ask you about the mindset when you're open because at the moment that you, you sign a lease and you're like, okay, it's now a bigger responsibility. You know, yeah. So how was that mindset going in? Um, so paying, paying rent when I didn't have any students. So the first two places I had partners, I didn't have to worry about that part of it. You know, they just paid me. Um, And then uh, this guy wanted a uh, three year lease agreement, a certain amount. And I didn't know all the students or how many students were going to come. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? It's like starting all over. Very nervous, but very determined to make it work. And, um, I'm still there, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I we're, you. we're still doing strong. So, yeah. and what about without counting the COVID, what are some of the biggest struggles that have been through with the Academy? Because of course, right now we cannot even use the, the COVID because I think it's the, what are the biggest struggles that most people will have depending where you at in, in the world or in the country? But what are some of the difficulties you had, you know, some of the struggles and what did you learn from these experiences? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that I would never have, I've never experienced before. Um, wasn't hundred percent sure how to handle it. I'm getting better at it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, yeah, I've had to remove some people from my academy. Okay. Um, like, uh, I- well, go ahead. That includes student and staff. Yeah, kind. Yeah, there was there was a couple. Well, you know, I'll be honest. Like I've rarely paid anybody. I've mm-hmm. been able to teach everything that I uh, allow in the academy: gi, mm-hmm. no gi, 
judo. So when I can do it, I do it myself. Um, but uh, we did have, uh, you know, a kickboxer one time and some crazy stuff happened with him. And I just told him, you need to get your stuff together before you come back. Um, I had a full-grown adult, 260-pound adult, attack a 15-year-old kid on my mat. That's no Blew, blew my mind. Shaking him and choking him and yelling at him, and I had to kick him out, dude. And he blamed me for it. I was just like, "Are you?" I mean, yeah, man, some crazy stuff, you know. It happens, and um, you know, just just learn to. Uh, you got to get rid of the problem because if you ignore the problem, then it just builds. And uh, you know, right now, we've pretty much been drama free for about three or four years straight, and that's pretty good. Nice. Nice because jujitsu always attract some some you know, it's gonna have some type of drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think every sport does though, you know. Yeah, for sure, and especially when ego get involved, you know, and maybe could it be even training or or whatever the reason is. Some some people gonna have like like you said this this example of you know this big guy getting into with a kid, you know, a kid man. It's way too much. And you guys have uh, talking about it. You guys have kids program too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we have anywhere from thirty to forty on the mat every day. So nice. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's good for the kids, man. In fact, that's that's you know I used to be afraid to teach that class, and mm -hmm. and over the years I, I learned that's my favorite class to teach. Sometimes you know because. The kids are awesome. They come, they grab your leg, they try to tackle you, jump on your back when you're not expecting it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's pretty fun, man. Well, it's an art. Teaching kids, man, it's an art. Yeah. It yeah, I just, I just keep it simple. You got to keep it simple, you know? I think a lot of parents, they, they want their kid to be number one right away, and, and it, that's okay too, but not everybody can be there right away. And, you know, mm -hmm. if they just keep training, just think about it. You put 10 years into it, they're going to be good. They just mm -hmm. got to stay and, and, and keep going, you know, be consistent. It'll yeah. come. And I feel that it's, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview when you talk about how you kind of got to start bump, just bumping heads with your dad because you felt like it wasn't at one point you, you weren't doing for yourself. You felt like you're doing for him. So do you try to share this with some of the parents if you notice? this? Guy, it's kind of, it's really tough. It's not like you're trying to tell the parents what to do or not, but maybe yeah. sharing some of the stuff that you've been through with that. Yeah, a little bit, of course, you know, especially when they come, man, what do you think of my son? Do you think he's doing okay right now? I kind of want to get a bunch of privates for him and push and push and push. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you know, as long as he keeps coming to this class, he's, he's going to learn. It's, it's unavoidable. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, I get afraid of, like, there are some kids that are really good, and then their parents, they make them do three or four things, a day, like uh, work out. They're just kids. They work out. They run. They come to class. They do all kinds of other sports, and then they push them in this one. It's like you're going to burn your kid out, man, you know? Yeah. And that's one thing I regret. I, I kind of – it, it's some, some kids are fine with it, you know? Um, but I see a lot of kids quitting at a certain age. They're just, they're, they're, just, they're gone. They're gone. You know, they don't like being pushed and well, they, won't re like they won't regret it till, till, till they're older and it's too late, you know? So true. Well, there's some sports, man, that I can, uh, I can't imagine like, for example, even like swimming, man, swimming, competitive swimming. Yeah. 
man, the workouts are insane. By the time they get in college, they'll be like, I don't want to see a pool. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, like, <laughs> they're sick of it. Yeah, yeah. It can get that way. Yeah, I think, I think just, you know, learning the basics when you're young is the most important. Um, you know, keeping your technique good. And then when you get older and you, you, you know, when you start reaching that age to go, if you want to go worlds, you'll, you'll, technically you'll be ready. All you got to do is physically get there. Right. So, yeah. Anyway. So now how you talk with the parents, like when you take a group of kids to a tournament and I, you know, sometimes even parents want to coach over the coach, you know, yeah. and they want to help, but they, you know, they're not actually helping. So what are some of the suggestions that you give to the listeners who have kids program, you know, especially you competed as a child, before you know and now being a coach and seeing like how this can impact the kids performance what do you suggest to people you know uh yeah if you're not doing the sport you you shouldn't be giving advice and then sometimes the parents they'll, they'll yell so loud and I'm, i gotta get louder you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying because now they can't hear me but i can understand they get excited it's their kid you know what i mean it's yeah. it's uh it's a part of them out there so i just try to i just try to tell them hey when when they're you know it's coming close to the end of the match man let, let me take over let me let me do my thing you know try to pull out a win for them but um it's it's good when i see the parents train too so they start understanding for what's sure. going on yeah because yeah. in their yeah. mind i i had a, a parents that did one class and stuff so when they're training on the competition some kid mount their kid would be like come on hipscape you do that every day like He's not trying to use it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he put the parent to do the class. So he'd be like, come on, do the hipscape. I just showed you. <laughs> You're all pitting them all. <laughs> so it's, that's you know, so that's a, they'd be like, yeah, it's a lot more complicated. So uh, I've, I've been promoting tournaments for, for many years. And sometimes some of the things that I hear from parents, it kind of hurt. You know what I mean? Just a few bad sometimes for the kids. And they want to, you know, they want to win because a lot of them, they want to say at work, you know, like, yeah, my son won in this and that, you know what I mean? They get more. Yeah, like, they want to tell people that. Yeah, yeah this kind of drives me crazy. Some of the things that you hear some parents saying, like, really, you just said that kills me, man. Yeah. Like, don't call if you don't win. Don't call home if you don't win. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, man. <laughs> yeah, I've heard too, like after the match and like saying like you suck today you know oh like, my gosh kid. man yeah so and also like people come to tell man you got to kick this guy out and man so that, now, that's another thing that's another thing you're driving to quit oh absolutely there's no encouragement it's, it's just they feel punishment every time they get off that mat it's like dang i don't yeah. want to get punished anymore you know yeah sometimes it's not even saying just the look right yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're, um, we're talking a little bit before and I was mentioned, uh, I was asking you some of the things that you like to talk with your students and you, you mentioned about the dedication. You see like, oh, this is not, this is everywhere. The blue belt is always the, uh, a, a belt that a lot of people end up kind of like fading away, yeah. you know, by the time usually well, it's hard that to say too, but usually by the time someone gets a purple belt, chances are jujitsu is going to be in their life for some time. Yeah. You know, but uh, so how you try to talk with your students, especially the, the blue belts that they know they're probably going to sit there for a little bit. 
Well, I just tell them, you know, especially when I promote them. So I, I do this all the time. I remind them. I said, look, we follow IBJJF rules. They say minimum is two years. Mm-hmm. So while I'm tying that brand new blue belt on them, I'm telling them that. I said, hey, now's, now's dedication time because you got two years. You're sitting on this minimum for your next belt. So I want to see you here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, purple's no joke. So I tell them, you also, you, you, gotta, you better fit into this real, real quick. <laughs> yeah. You better start catching up. And because of judo, you got promoted very quick to blue belt, right? Uh, yeah, it was, like, it was yeah. like two months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And looking back, do you feel there was, I mean, as far as knowledge for back then, do you feel like, you know what? Yes, uh, it was, it was good. Know, like I was good to go. Te- technique wise, no, not now. You know, things have changed. Oh, yeah. blue, blue belts are good now. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. back then blue belt was just, ah, okay, you're blue. But um, what happened was is, what helped what helped me and my brother was our judo and our explosiveness and we we knew where to be but as far as our technique it was it was just okay it wasn't it wasn't yeah i i thought uh my black belt groundwork would would have done better the first day i went to house and no i got choked out by blue belts so yeah and your brother got yeah your brother got um quick to you know like got a, the bell quick and i think he got a purple bell very quick however i remember i think the first time i i heard of him i think he was in brazil that oscar of jiu-jitsu or something he competed i think maybe he was the only foreigner competing that day i think yeah he also was sick yeah he, he had the flu really were, did you, uh were you there to watch you know i i did not go they left mm-hmm. last minute and um yeah he beat that guy uh it was fredson fredson yeah, Pax Pax Hour or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And Fredson back then, especially in Purple Belt, he was undefeated. He was, yeah, and he's yeah. a guy that he's one of the few people that Fredson I think jumped from uh, purple to black. And back then they didn't have a lot of, um, they didn't have the same requirements and all the stuff. You know, he, yeah. he he used to like just dominate a lot of the divisions, and so he was it was a a big surprise because back then you know the foreigners are not making noise yet you know back in brazil so that was a that was a a big surprise yeah dave dave got good pretty quick you know um and and again though uh we owe a lot to judo man for sure because because judo is just so fast-paced we were a little bit ahead as far as uh uh you know what we thought was coming next does that make sense mm-hmm. so if there's like two or three moves in a row we already knew what they were what they were going to do next so we were one step ahead and then our technique came later in jujitsu that's that's just my opinion though mm-hmm. and now let's talk about habits what is a habit that you practice daily that it's good for you know for it doesn't matter if it helps you in jujitsu in your life it's just a habit that you have uh, you know, to be honest, uh, not much anymore. You know, um, I'm 48 years old. I've been trying to lose weight so I can compete again. So I've lost about oh. 10 pounds in about uh, a couple weeks. But but then again, you know, there's there's not much to go do. And we end up going to the beach. I gain it back. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as like habits, I'm just I'm just going to the academy every day and just you know trying to trying to roll and train. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in that competition mentality. There's no comp- competitions really right now. It's kind of mm-hmm. dead. 
you know? Yeah, it's tough to prepare uh, for something, especially right now. We're recording this to let people know in September of 2020. And do you have desire of just getting back to IBJJF scene? What do you got in mind? You know, it, okay, so it honestly depends. If I can get my weight down and then, and then feel good and strong, and I'll compete again. But I, I know me. Um, I know where I'm sitting uh, physically. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't want to gas out. The worst thing to do is when you compete is gas out. So if I'm not prepared, you will not see me competing. I'm just not going to step out there. Um, and, and like I said, right now, mentality-wise, it's kind of depressing. We're all stuck, can't be out. My academy shouldn't even be open. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is just really taking a hit. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I've got so many uh, students right now, and they just want to compete, and they can't. And, and it's just kind of mentally driving us a little bit down every, every month. So uh, we're just staying open and pushing and hopefully this ends soon. And then, you know, I probably completely will wake up again before COVID though, before COVID there was two, three months right there before they told us to shut down. And I was training hard and I was excited. I was motivated. Um, We have another black belt. He's, He's bigger than me and he pushes me. Uh, man, we go at it, you know, and I was, I was training hard. And then once that COVID hit, it just took everything out of me. I was just like, wow, I got to sit here. I had to sit at home for two months, man. Are you kidding? Yeah. I you know, know, it takes a toll, especially when you're 48 years old, that takes a toll on your body. <laughs> I hear you. Now, um, what did you say? It's one of the best advice you've ever received. Could it be in jujitsu? Could it be in life? Just what comes to your mind? I don't know. I, I don't know. Stay uh, dedicated and, and determined. I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't remember what people say sometimes. Like if my <laughs> father ever told me, I just, I push my, either I push myself or it doesn't happen, you know? So. And now what advice would you give to a younger version when you open the school, when you open your own academy? Not that you want anything different. It is what it is. But now that you, you ran the school all these years and you look back and be like, okay, if, since the beginning, if I could do this here different, I would. What that would be? Uh, you know, probably been more dedicated, you know, to, to training harder and, and um, competing more. I didn't compete. For nine years, I took took time off. Uh, I was just teaching every day. I was uh, going out and drinking too much. You know, mm-hmm. I told myself to knock that crap off. Now, do you feel? Because again, you started competing so young. You yes. know, so do you feel that that interfere with your itch of competing again? Or, or you know what it takes you to be ready for a competition and you're like, do I really want to go all over this again? Because not only the desire, but for example, me right now, I don't feel like competing, period. Yeah. I, don't want, I don't feel like going through the process. If I don't feel like going through the process, the same way, like I said, you're not going to see me going in out of shape. I'm not going to go into fill up the brackets and be part of the party. It's not going to happen. It's either yeah. I'm down with the process or not. So what about you? Well, that's exactly what I was saying before. I'm just, I know I'm not prepared. You know what I mean? Um, uh, Man, I was going to say something earlier. Um, But as far as having like that, that desire to go through the process, do you still have that? 
so, sort of? so yeah so here's the thing yeah i've been competing i've been you know i i know for a fact that's how you know competing all those years is kind of um had a little impact on me you know what's you know what's hurt me the most is jumping around so i moved from bakersfield to fresno to be part of fresno state then i moved from fresno state to be to the bay area to be part of half gracie team and then the market crashed then i moved back to bakersfield depressed right i'm all what am i doing in bakersfield i want to go back to my team i honestly just want to go back to my team but i couldn't get a job there anymore it was so bad and well now now i'm stuck here but we've also went through a housing market crash here mm-hmm. i bought a home lost it i'm i'm now and finally in another home but um when those things happened to me i kind of kind of like uh i went through a divorce you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so when those things happened to me i kind of like ah you know i'm going to start instead of staying focused because that's hard to do when when you're when you got when your life's not balanced, I'll say it that way. So that is so hard to stay focused when your life's not balanced. It's so much easier to, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a bar right after I teach. You know what I mean? I'm going to go say hi to all my friends and hang out. I mean, I've seen that side of it. So sometimes when I see a student disappear, I kind of, depending on what's going on in their life, I kind of understand. Yeah. It's hard to stay on that line and to stay focused when so much, different things are happening in your life. You know what I mean? But again, I think I matured late. So right now I don't have a problem going every day to my Academy, man. I'm, I love being there. I love helping all my students. I love teaching every day. There's my motivation to do that, but to compete, there's no competitions. Really. I pans is in Florida. I don't want to go to Florida right now. You know what I mean? I don't want to sit on a, a plane, wear a mask for six hours or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I want to go back to normal. <laughs> I'm tired yeah. of this. And man, I totally relate with what he said about having some of the personal issues going on and then kind of going to a, a different route of you, like working out. I, man, it happens the same thing with me, went through my divorce and I didn't compete for four years that I was just, uh, I had no desire to go through a process or whatever. And then 2007, that was the first time that I said like, man, I need to snap out of this. I need to get to a competition. I need to, uh, to start being, not that it wasn't being productive, but I, you know, of course I'm still working, I'm teaching, doing, doing, doing my things, but not enough to be able to, my mindset just wasn't there. And I had to really, force myself and that was my first step back to start kind of getting back into it now how we're able to pull it off after you know you said like nine years without competing how was the process for you mentally to like you know what i'm gonna do this uh it was more for my students my all my students come on dan compete come on you're so good come on dan they're all in my ear every day you know and i was training back then i was training um, you know, not as hard as I could have been because I didn't have my teammates who were at my level. I was in a brand new school teaching. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I just, I had big bodies, you know, get me tired, but it wasn't the same, but, um, yeah. So I just went, and, I don't know. I, yeah. I missed competing nine years away. Shoot. I missed it. Yeah. yeah. Competing's fun, man. I just know I got to be ready. And what about studying jiu-jitsu? Do you, do you still, you watch videos, do you study, or you play around all positions? So 
What do you do? You know, I, I rarely look up any, any videos. It's, you know, um, I don't know. I'm not a sport guy. I don't watch too much UFC. I don't watch football, baseball. I'm just not, I, to me, I have time. I can go do something else. You know what I mean? Now on the mat, now we have an incredible lineup at our Academy. We have, um, uh, a, a brown belt from uh, Cobra Kai, so his mm-hmm. his techniques different. We have uh, Atos. He was a brown when he came. He's black now, so he has a different type of style. Um, uh, we have another black belt. I forget. Uh, shoot, what's his instructor? I keep forgetting his name. Uh, he, different style. So what happens is, you know, sometimes when we're rolling and we're all figuring, we, we pass on information to each other, we start learning that way. But yeah, I'm still learning. There's, there's no stop to that. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Especially nowadays in jiu-jitsu is just crazy. You know, when you look at the evolution of the, uh, I, I had an interview and talk with Robert Drysdale uh, many times. He's, it's about to release his documentary about the history of jiu-jitsu and so forth. So it's really cool. And he was saying the basically the technique the technical revolution of jiu-jitsu happens in the early 90s when the CBJJ started, and then basically around 93, 94, uh, that's when the uh the jiu-jitsu started to really change. The competition brought this this evolution, and now is where at right now, which is insane, man. The amount of like systems that people are developing counters and and back then uh, i mean all we could do is possibly get lucky and get some vhs you know what i mean of some some of the tournaments or whatever and that's about it you know yeah. uh, i i remember mark layman was one of the first guys to start to really study you know break down matches and stuff i used to get some uh, some tapes with him too but but now with the internet man if you if you want to study is there you know, yeah wants to uh, research matches and stuff it's there yeah yeah and and you know man the technique has changed a lot that is for sure it's it's a lot more technical these days there's a lot of uh, uh pretty pretty interesting moves people are coming up with <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean jiu-jitsu is about pattern recognition you know like you see something like oh okay someone's gonna try it again like huh i already know it's coming and then the other person needs to figure out that pattern come up with an answer for that and then and that keeps going and the cool thing is that uh in brazil when i start uh i started training in 89 but like the early 90s would didn't have a lot of information but it would be like okay some of the standouts of the tournament do a move and the next thing people are like did you see that move and then people are trying to figure out what the person was doing you know it's really cool so that's why right now man uh this is if people can learn with stuff and there's a lot of good instructors showing a lot of good stuff you know there's a lot of tournaments i i'm a i'm a fan of like watching matches you know to see like okay if i always say there's this is the final proof you got a world-class guy doing a move and a world-class guy you bet that move works you know because the other person's trying to do everything they can to stop that oh absolutely absolutely yeah yeah do you still follow judo do you watch it sometimes a little bit no like some highlights and stuff no no i don't um you know sometimes i get uh some of my old uh 
uh, people I used to compete against or, or go to the tournaments, they'll send me highlights sometimes. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll watch the highlights when they send it to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so have- judo is crazy, man. It's awesome to watch. It, it is. It is. Yeah. And I know they change a lot the rules over the years. But still, uh, I'm always watching some highlights doing stuff. I mean, especially um, I do share judo stuff with my with my students, too. So I like to watch uh, some stuff, you know, like watch great people instructor to make sure that, you know, I get some details here and there. Of course, I I I got to compete in judo in Brazil. I competed. I don't know, not not that many tournament, maybe like 15 tournaments or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that was enough just for me to like, okay, feel more comfortable in your feet. So when you go have to use takedowns in, in jiu-jitsu. So I, I I started judo to help with my jiu-jitsu. Let's put it this way. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah they go so, hand in hand. Absolutely. Now, do you have the habit of, of reading, listening to podcasts, or is there any type of content that you like to consume? Uh, you know, I don't, um, no, I, I <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a hands-on guy, mm-hmm. if that makes Got sense. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I, I have to be tinkering with something, you know, I build computers, I build arcade machines, I tear apart my Xbox and mod it. And I, I and, and, you know, sometimes it drives my wife crazy because I'm tearing things apart and putting them together all the time. You like puzzles. That's why maybe you like jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I just, that's, that's my thing, you know? Right on. So my last question is, uh, it's, it's a tough moment to ask what you're excited about because of the situation. But what are you looking for, uh, let's say, after this situation get under control when we're ready for the new normal? So what you got? Uh, to be honest, um, okay, there's a, there's a few things, but number one, uh, so my, my day job is really slow because of the, you know, what's going on. So I'm not making a lot of money through it and that's my oil job. Now, Mm -hmm. once this clears up, I hope I go back to normal because, uh, we were doing very well, you know, Mm -hmm. and right now we're, uh, we're hanging in there. We'll just say that. And, um, but then another thing that I know it'll make my students a lot happier because now, you know, the competitions, we used to go to competitions all the time uh, throughout the year and uh, travel as a team and stuff like that. I, I do like doing that. That's fun. But um, yeah, no, I, it's always I, good for bonding with a team. And yeah, yeah, man, I love that. That's, that's one thing my father did when he had a judo academy here in town was always bond with the team. So right on, man. Thank you so much for the interview. Appreciate it. Hopefully, things will be back to normal soon. I really hope so. And you can get to travel and go to more, see some, some tournaments. And, man, can't wait. to. It's, it's been way too long already. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Who's? We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.